Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Say hey everybody, I'm back. And if you hear a whiny dog throughout this entire episode, he's fine. He's just an old man dog who um, apparently doesn't like my podcast very much. So here we go. So I found an amazing survivor story about a woman named Ada, or Ada, whoever you say it, Blackjack. It's one I'm sure very few people have heard of, but it's just incredible. So um, also I'm going to say an old-timey warning. I only found a limited amount of information about her, but still... It's very interesting, nevertheless, what happened. So without further ado, here we go. In late June of 1923, a 25-year-old woman with no wilderness experience found herself stranded and starving on Wrangell Island, Siberia, with only a cat for company. So two years earlier, she was just another Inupiat's and I apologize if that is not how you say that, living in Nome, Alaska, struggling to care for her infant son, the only surviving child of three she had with her husband, who had been recently abandoned her to poverty. So, originally Ada Delatuk, if that's not how you say it, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say Ada Blackjack, was born in 1898 in Spruce Creek, Alaska, a small outskirt of the Nome Census area that is now entirely depopulated. She married local dog busher Jack Blackjack when she was only 16, a short and very abusive relationship because she was just a child when she married him that is all 1921 on the Seward Peninsula where Jack left her stranded walking the 40 miles to Nome with her 5 year old with her 5 year old Bennett Ada would have no idea how much this bitter experience would serve as a precursor for the future ordeal that would her praise at least for a while without money to care for Bennett whose general poor health included tuberculosis, Ada gave her son to a local orphanage until she could find the means to raise him. That opportunity came in the person of Viljmer Stephenson, who I'm just going to call Stefan, a Manitoba-born Arctic explorer who who cobbled together an ill-equipped and fatally inexperienced group of men for his next glory grab, claiming Wrangell Island, Siberia, for Britain. Stefan, who rallied against the notion of the northern polar region, 
as a barren wasteland, promoting it instead as the friendly Arctic. Although Wrangell was Russian territory, uninhabited, it meant that in Stefan's eyes at least, it would be possible to claim it for Canada or the United Kingdom, a dream seemingly motivated by the vision of transforming it into an airbase for future pan-Arctic flights. So where is Wrangell Island? It sits north of the Siberian coast in the harsh Arctic waters of the East Siberian and Chuchik seas surrounded by the ice for much of the year and buffeted by fierce cyclonic winds throughout it. It is the last known piece, sorry, place of the woolly mammoth and is the site of the highest concentration of polar bear dens in the world. Oddly enough, though, Britain had never experienced the slightest interest in a largely ice-locked island, which lies better than 250 miles west of Alaska and some 100 miles north of Siberia. After the group left Seattle on August 18, 1921, they arrived in Nome, Alaska to secure passage to Wrangell for the foremen and the indigenous Alaskans they expected to hire to accompany them because they would need a guide for obvious reasons. Although there were, after some effort, able to find a ship that would take them to their destination, all of the families who had expressed interest in being ultimately hired by them refused to go because I'm sure they realized this was a doom expedition. The only problem is that Ada, a girl with a paralyzing fear of polar bears, was hired. She even visited a shaman, who's in, which did not precisely assuage her anxieties. Death and danger lay ahead. She had become an expert seamstress, and her skills when making fur clothing would prove invaluable. Uh, one second, sorry, my computer just sort of froze up there a second. Stefan had promised her $50 a month during her time on the expedition, which is far more than she could have made otherwise. Her doubts were far more assuaged by the fact that shortly before the voyage was to embark, all of the Inuit who had signed on to accompany the core crewmen had bowed out. Still, these concerns were nothing next to gain to the money that would allow her to reunite with Bennett. So on September 21st, 1921, Ada set sail on the Silver Wave with four enthusiastic but underprepared men and one doubtlessly unimpressed cats, Victoria or Vic as he was, she was known for short. The crew members were 20-year-old Canadian Alan Crawford, Americans Lauren Knight and Fred Maurer, both 28, and Milton Gale, 19, and Ada. Still in the beginning, everything seemed fine. The voyage to the island was uneventful, and it mostly aligned with Stefan's descriptions. A brief protocol on Siberia having failed to produce any Inuit reinforcements, and Ada immediately felt overwhelmed by what lay ahead. As the men raised the Union Jack and declared the island a British possession, she walked to the beach, her eyes on the departing ship, and cried. The island is more significant than she'd been led to believe. Wrangell Island is about 80 miles long and 30 miles wide, and far more barren. 
At thought at first I would turn back, Ada confided in her diary, but I decided it wouldn't be fair to the boys. The weather was surprisingly mild and the team soon settled into a rhythm. After a couple of weeks, however, the situation took a turn. Ada, painfully homesick and frightened, became withdrawn. Every sign of the men's knives terrified her, convinced as she was by the shaman's warning. She knew none of the men wanted her there, and they all regretted taking her and were convinced that night would kill her. Her mental health deteriorated to the point that she walked off into the snow one day with a bottle of cream that she planned to drink to kill herself. On another occasion, Ada followed the fox tracks away from the camp because, and she believed that there were spirits that disguised themselves as foxes. And if Ada could find them, she would be treated kindly. Her cooking and sewing became sporadic, and in response, men tried coaxing her, then mocked her, then turned to deny her food, forcing her to stay outside in the cold, and even trying to flagpole her. Or sorry, even tying her to the flagpole. At one point, they even threatened to whip her. As winter drew in tightly, Ada's move appeared to light as the men sagged. She threw herself into work, and the five united to survive the dark, cold months to stay fed and warm, and to deter the polar bears that stalked the camp. They looked forward to summer and the arrival of a relief ship, but even as summer marched on, the boat that Stefan had dispatched from Alaska could not reach them. The return of winter saw the group struggling, just emotionally, just not just emotionally, but also physically. Notwithstanding Stefan's promises that game would be plentiful, much of their would-be prey, foxes, seals, and bears, have moved elsewhere on the island. They began to weaken, especially Knight, who had fallen ill while on a solo exploration, and he started showing signs of scurvy. Finally, in January 1923, with temperatures plumbing to minus 50 degrees, Crawford, Maurer, and Gale set out across the sea towards Siberia, intending to raise the alarm and arrange a rescue. They were never seen again. Ada was now left with a swiftly deteriorating knight, deteriorating knight who was pretty much dying from scurvy, and it was incumbent on her, the young Inuit, Inuit who had never lived in the wilderness before, to provide for night. She taught herself to catch foxes in traps and shoot birds out of the sky. She even summoned up the courage to scare bears away from camp. She gave night the lion's share of the fresh meat to combat his scurvy, but as his decline intensified, he criticized her endlessly. accusing her not doing enough to keep them fed and alive. All the while, she too was becoming ill with early signs of scurvy. On June 23rd, Knight died. Ada could not bear it and did not have the strength to remove him from his sleeping bag, so she erected a barricade of wooden boxes around him to protect him from wild animals and moves into the storage tent to escape the smell of decay. Ada was now alone apart from the welcome company provided by Vic, the cat. She hoped and expected that the others would return, but she would not. She could not know for sure. What would happen to her if she was forced to spend another winter in this cruel and remote place?
place. And most importantly of all, would she ever see Bennett, her son, again? Shortly after Knight's death, she killed her first seal. With ammunition running low, she focused on collecting eggs and even used wooden skins to build herself a boat. When the wind washed it out to sea, she built another one. And she waited. Ada even drafted in a former will if she did not make it back to him. Back to her, specifically her son, Bennett. The critical note in case I happen to die or somebody finds out that I was dead, I want Miss Rita McCafferty, who's her sister, to take care of my son, Bennett. She's just as good as his mother, and I know she loves Bennett just as much as I do. I dare not my son to have a stepmother. If I get any money from the boss of this company, it would be $1,200. Give it to my mother, Miss Odo took, 200 If it's only $600, give her $100 and the rest of it to my son. So on August 20th, 1923, she awoke from her slumber. Believing she heard a noise, she then heard it again. And again. She grabbed her field glasses and rushed outside. The perpetual fog enshrouded the island, but for a brief moment it lifted, and through her glasses, she saw a ship. She raced to the beach and splashed into the water just as the boat reached the shore. She expected Crawford, Bauer, and Gill to be on board. The men who stepped out of the boat, Stefan's accomplice, Harold Noyce, expected them to be ashore. With the first words they exchanged, they both realized the full gravity of the situation. Ada Blackjack, the Inuit seamstress who had been reluctant afterthought on the expedition, belittled and berated and tied up nevertheless, had to teach herself to hunt and trap and live in the Arctic, was the last survivor. She was alive, and she was going home to her son. And with that, she collapses to his arms and cried. Though Ada's return was initially met with overwhelming admiration, many questioned her story and after-leveled accusations of negligence against her. One accuser was one of the men who rescued her, who to prove had left, who had, who had, sorry, who to prove she had left night to die, tore pages out of her diary that clearly say the contrary. His deceit was later uncovered, and he apologized. Ultimately, however, the prophets in praise of the bungled Wrangle Island expedition were primarily enjoyed by its author, Stefan, who heralded Ada's story as their most romantic and Arctic history. Stefan decided to write a book about it entitled The Avenger of Wrangell Island, which was a strange choice for a title given that Stefan had once claimed an adventure is a sign of incompetence, a quote that no doubt speaks as much as for itself as it says about him. Even so, a few critics, if any, suspected that it was precisely Stefan's callous ineptitude and reckless optimism that led 
to the deaths of four young men and very nearly one tough cat, an amazingly resolute woman. But perhaps the most bitter irony is that unbeknownst to Stefan, Wrangel Island had already been claimed by Russia five years earlier before the Stoom expedition even took place. So, what happened to Ada? So, Ada took Bennett to Seattle to curse tears tuberculosis. She also had another son named Billy and eventually decided to return to Alaska. And unfortunately, rather than enjoying the life easier that her newfound prestige should afford her, Ada's years were unfortunately not much sunnier than her time in outer Siberia. She pretty much was troubled with poverty for the rest of her life. Um, her oldest son unfortunately died. And she, even before Bennett died, her oldest son Bennett died, she had to um, put Billy and Bennett's up in an orphanage again and because she lacked the means to care for them only regaining her sons nine years later she died in Alaska on May 29th 1983 age 85 and is buried in Anchorage Memorial Park Cemetery her only surviving son uh, placed a plaque there on her grave that said the here one of Wrangell Island and her story a century later continues to resonate and inspire her fellow Alaska natives so hopefully you guys found that incredibly interesting as I did um, the main sources I got all this information was from the um Ada Blackjack, the Forgotten Soul Survivor of an Odd Arctic Expedition, um, Forgotten Queen of Arctic Expeditions, and the Inuit Women who Survived Alone on an Arctic Island After a Disastrous Expedition from the History.com website. Um, and I hope you guys found that interesting, and uh, that's all I have to say about this episode. I'm sorry it was so short. And that was all the information I could find. Bye.